My name is Sean Effie. I'm the lead pastor here. We're glad you're here. You know, God is so good. How many would agree? Come on, how many would agree? Amen. He is pretty awesome. Amen. And, uh, you know, we, we're in this series um, on freedom. And, you know, a lot of times when we get into this, this type of stuff, it's, it's always thinking about we're inwardly. Is that, oh, it's just all for me. Real, be honest with you, it's not for you just alone. Amen? It's for others around you. Free people, free what? People. And our whole heart is that we enter into just this realm of freedom that we've never entered into where we're free from the junk. How many guys are tired of the junk? Everybody raise your hand. You're tired of the junk. You're tired of the depression. You're tired of the addiction. And listen, if it's coffee, it's still an addiction. Um, Come on. You're tired of just the way you've been thinking and the way you're living this life. And you know there must be something more. How many guys know there's something more out there for you? There's something more in God. There's something more in His relationship. There's something more for you and I. There's something more. How about, how many guys think there's something more in your relationship with your spouse? There's something more in your relationship in your job and your, everything else, everything around it is there's a whole lot more. And let me tell you something. This is my heart. Is that as we begin to enter into the freedom that God has for us, that it's going to be attractive to everybody around us. Because you're going to enter into a joy like you've never entered into before. And I'm so excited about that. How many guys know joy is contagious? I like to be, I'd rather be around people who are happy than sad. How many, how many would agree? I mean, when you ever walked in a room and somebody's crying, what do you do? You turn back around, oops, you know. It's not that we don't want to help and not, don't we, we don't care. It's something about the joy of the Lord. And the Bible says the joy of the Lord does what? It is our strength. It gives us strength. And so we want that in our lives. We want that more in our lives, not just for ourselves. So when we talk about freedom, and we definitely want freedom for ourselves, but there's got to be more than that. It's for others, okay? And today I'm going to be talking about an area of freedom. I'm going to actually talk about the kingdom of God for a moment, okay? And I want you to bear with me because we will go a little deeper into this. And we're going to get deeper into it more and more on our Wednesday night freedom classes. Now listen, we have a hundred and some people coming on Wednesday nights. It's been great. But listen, if you're not coming, I want to encourage you to even come now, okay? And to come to be a part of that because I believe in this freedom and that we have in Jesus Christ and we need to learn a little bit about it. So I'm going to talk to you about the kingdom today and how that relates to our freedom because most Christians, how many of you are born again? That means you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand. If you don't, I'll be talking to you in just a few minutes, okay? Because there, I want you to know him because there's so, such greatness in knowing Christ and really knowing him. And so Jesus often would say this before his teaching. He would say this. He would say the kingdom of heaven is like. Now I want to talk about that statement. And I want to go through the word a little bit about that statement. Because he would start started out like that. And I believe he's talking talking about something a little bit more than what we have understood in the past. Because I believe a lot of Christians are going around who are born again aren't free. And that's just not right. There's more. 
And God has more for you today. I want you to know that. I want us to enter into something today that we've never done before. So Jesus would begin his teaching with this. The kingdom of heaven is like. And then he would teach or he would minister or he would do a combination of both. And then after he was done ministering or teaching or both, he would say this. He would say, for those who have eyes to see, let them see. For those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And so basically, an abbreviated version of that, basically what he was telling the people he was talking to or ministering to, this is what he was actually saying to them. He says, listen, I don't want you to miss what I just said. I don't want you to miss out what is going on. Don't miss what I just said to you. Don't look with the eyes of your head. Look with the eyes of your heart. Don't, don't hear with just the ears on, on your head. Listen to, with the ears of your heart. Listen there. Listen to those things. He would say things like the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would proceed into teaching. And here's one of his teaching he would do. Because a lot of times we think what Jesus taught was just about how to do earth. How to live life on earth. And I think there's a lot more than that. And he would go on. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain man who was walking along the road and then was attacked by, by people. And then he was laying on the road and certain people would come along and just ignore him. And then there was one man who came along who cared for this man. Who treated him and gave to him generously and helped him up and helped him get better. So we think that in that type of teaching that Jesus is telling us about how to do things on earth, where it, certainly there's an application of how we should act here on this earth, but he began this with something totally different. He says the kingdom of heaven is like, and so we have to understand, what does he mean by that? Is it about earth or is it about something totally different here? And the gospel that Jesus talked about on this earth may not be the gospel that you and I have been sharing most of our lives. Because we've been taught that the kingdom is the gospel of atonement. And this is what I mean by atonement. That God had to send his own son, Jesus, to come onto this earth to become a man, to live a perfect life, being tempted in all things, but never to struggle, never to lose, never to mess up. So he could take on the sin of the world, past, present, and future. My sin, your sin, past, present, and future. Upon himself, not only upon himself, but to be punished for those, those sins. So we wouldn't have to be punished. So he hung on the cross and was punished for those sins, died, and then was resurrected. That's what we talk about when we talk about atonement. That's what it was. Jesus made an atonement for our sin. He took our sin, and aren't you glad that that happened? But a lot of times we think that the gospel of the kingdom, we're taught that that is the atonement. Yet we have to understand something, that when Jesus shared this gospel, he had not yet died on the cross. He was on this earth sharing this gospel, and it, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't die on the cross yet. He hadn't died for his sin. In fact, it was impossible for Jesus to share the gospel that I just explained, the gospel of atonement, to people and say, hey, listen, I've died for your sins. He hadn't done it yet. You can be forgiven. Well, that hadn't happened yet. So Jesus is here, and he's doing something a little different. Because in Matthew chapter 4, he describes in detail, and it says this, that all the crowds were coming all from all around the cities in Israel. 
And they were coming to him. They were bringing the sick. They were bringing the depressed. They were bringing the demonized. They were bringing the uh, paralyzed. And they all came. And this is what it said in Matthew chapter 4. That Jesus Christ shared with them the gospel of the kingdom. And he healed them all. And I would add, without dying on the cross yet. And not coming back from, from the dead. Coming back to life. Now, so there's something about the gospel he shared that he was proclaiming that has power and that was different and distinct from the cross. Now, hear me out here before you think I'm speaking heresy. The gospel of atonement is very central, definitely. It is crucial because Jesus said this, no man enters except through the door. And Jesus said that he was the door, right? So no man enters there. So the gospel of atonement, the atonement provides a way for us to enter in. But what do we enter into? You've got to understand what Jesus was doing on this earth. He was doing since the beginning of time. For eternity he had been doing this. He had been living this way for eternity. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Now let's go back in chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3. Here John the Baptist says this. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now John is speaking at that time to a bunch of religious leaders of that day that he was telling them that you need to change. You need to act differently. And so when we hear the same phrase, a lot of times we misinterpret it and we think and we bring in fear and that we say, he's saying that you need to straighten up because God is coming soon and when he comes, he's going to be ticked. He's going to be mad. Instead, we need to look at this the statement that John does through his eyes. So when we have this fearful idea of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, you know, we need to think a little differently here. At the end of Matthew chapter 3, John is now baptizing, and uh, out of the wilderness, Jesus comes. And Jesus comes down, gets baptized by John. The Holy Spirit comes as a dove, and God says, This is my son who I'm well pleased. Jesus goes out, goes back into the wilderness, and, and, and fasts for, and prays for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's fasting and praying. And about Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus himself now comes out of the wilderness. And it says that that day he began to preach the same thing as John. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, there's two different things. John has one perspective, and, God, and Jesus has another perspective. And if we look at how John said it, he said it in this way. He proclaimed that to a bunch of religious people that was going out. Because you've got to understand where John grew up. John grew up in the temple system, and while he was growing up and seeing the temple system, he was seeing all the stuff that they were doing wrong, all the corruption that was happening. And he tells these people, and all around him, when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he is saying from his own experience on this earth. And he was telling them, you need to change. You need to change now. You need to stop what you're doing. You need to stop stealing and lying to the people. That's basically what he was telling them. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we look at Jesus and he says the same thing. But we have to think for a second. What that is Jesus making the same proclamation? Where did Jesus grow up? John grew up in the temple system. But where did Jesus grow up? 
And a lot of times we're thinking, well, he grew up in Galilee, which is right. He was born in Galilee. He grew up there. He was raised there. But you've got to also understand that Jesus is not like us. He is eternal. So he grew up in a, with God himself. He grew up before time was there. So we have to look at his history. So when Jesus comes after he's baptized, after he's praying for 40 days and fasting, he comes up and says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We have to really think to ourselves that he existed before there ever was an earth, before there ever was a universe, ever was solar system, ever was anything. And there's something in this phrase that he utters, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that urges us to look again through his eyes instead of our own earthly experience. And a lot of times we look at the word and we look through our own earthly experience and we can't do that because a lot of, we, let's take it back just a little bit. How many guys have kids? Do you, do you, have you ever realized that your kids think nothing ever happened before they were born? My daughter's four years old, and she just can't get wrapped around her mind that, that things actually happened before she was even here. You know, we'll tell her stories about things that we were doing a long time ago, and she keeps on thinking, where was I? Where am I at in this picture? And so we have to think there that, you know, that there, nothing existed before we existed. And you've got to understand that I have to tell her that, listen, your mom and I had a life before you. I have to tell all my kids. They still don't believe we had a life without them. We had a great life without them. (laughs) Because we only, you and I do the same thing. We only start perceiving out of our uh, our own existence and our own experiences. We really have no other way to think except for when we were. You've got to understand that the only way we can really understand the Scriptures is to think through the eyes of Christ and not through our own earthly eyes. See, our parents' life wasn't the beginning. The beginning of the human race with Adam and Eve wasn't the beginning. It says, what was the beginning? God. And Jesus knew this. And when he's talking about repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's not saying just to change and act differently. He's talking about something else that's available to you and I. And he says the kingdom of God. So what is this kingdom he's talking about? What is he talking about when he says the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What does he mean by that? Let's try to describe the kingdom as best we can. Because even our own words can't really describe it well, but I'm going to try. In the beginning, it says God, right? In the beginning, God. God has always been. And so when God was there, the kingdom of God is there. Here's what it might be like. Everything that is true about God, all that God is and everything that is in his nature means it was everywhere. See, we don't understand because all we know is our own existence and all we can understand is the existence we're in now. How many guys really like this existence? I mean, you have failures, you have pain, you have sickness, you have disease, you have death. But in God and his kingdom, there is none of that. There is no sadness. All there is is joy, love, and peace, and righteousness. That is the kingdom of God, and that's 
the concept that Jesus is speaking from. He's not speaking from the concept that you and I in. He is speaking from perfection. His nature, God's nature. So in God's kingdom, before there was a fall on this earth, in God's kingdom, before there was an earth and a universe, perfect love, joy, and peace. God's full expression was everywhere and in everything. The kingdom of heaven is this. It's a love and life-soaked realm of God's presence where everything works as it was designed and made to be and nothing is broken. Now, it's hard for us to really understand that, but that's what it is. It is that. And when God enters into a scene, it becomes God. It becomes everything. Let me... Let me let me kind of, can I dumb it down just a little bit? Maybe we can get it a little bit better. Um, my wife and I have lived in apartments and houses and everything. And the one thing I love about my wife, she makes it her own. She comes in. Our first apartment was a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment. It had orange shag carpet. It was Section 8 housing. It had orange shag, just, just saying that, you kind of get, get the apartment. But it was, it was, it was ugly, I mean, ugly, ugly, ugly. I mean, the, the living room and the kitchen were pretty much one. I mean, you just didn't know. The only way you knew the difference, because the shag carpet stopped and the orange, you know, linoleum, you know, spread out, okay? And so that, that was our house. And we go in there and it's like, oh, God, we got to live here, you know? But that's the only place we could afford. And so my wife goes in and, and decorates. I mean, my wife is great at this. She makes it her own. It's not just decorated. I mean, it has purpose. Everything has a purpose. I mean, we had these little tables, car, I don't know what they were. They were just cheap little, I mean, they weren't, we never had furniture just a few years ago that were, we bought ourselves. It was always hand-me-down. Someone gave it to us or we found it on the street. Anyway, and so, um, and so this table, she, she just made look elegant. In fact, we had these tables until we moved into our new house. And, uh, and she made it beautiful. Even in our house today, I mean, she just makes it her own. You know when you go into Lisa's house, it is hers. Now, if it was me, it wouldn't be beautiful at all. It would just be that. But my wife does it well. It's just like God. Whenever God goes in, it becomes his. And his kingdom is his. And one of the things I love about his kingdom is that he provides everything. But the one word that really gets me, that I love about the atmosphere of this kingdom, my favorite thing about this place, and what fills this place, the kingdom of God, it comes out of John 1. And it's a thing called life. And when it talks about in John 1, it talks about Jesus coming to this earth. It says, in him is life. And that life is the light of all men. Life existed before even living things. If you read the creation account, you'll you'll discover that light existed before sun. That life existed before anything it inhabited. See, God is the spirit of all life. And what was filling this atmosphere in this place called the kingdom that Jesus is talking about was life. Fullness of life. No death. Nothing like that. It's life. 
And you ever walk into the room, if you ever walked into a room and there's just life going on, it feels like there's just a charge in the room. Well, that's the kingdom of God. This place that God existed before creation ever happened was just before living beings ever happened, began to breathe, life existed. And when he breathed his life into Adam, he was breathing in him something that already existed in his nature and was expressed all around him all the time. And that's the fullness of life. In him was life. Oh, poor baby. He needs some life. Amen. In him, in Jesus, was life. And that was the life, light of all men. Now, before there was solar system, get this. Before there was an earth, before there was a garden, before there was a man and a wife, there was a kingdom. And I want you to understand this. This kingdom has always existed. And that kingdom was filled with everything that made life work. So when Jesus started his teaching of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is like, he's not telling us how to do earth. He's describing to us a reality that in John 3 he talks about. And he says, I've been there. I've been to this place. You don't believe me. But this place is great. The kingdom of heaven is light. And there may be some prescriptive measures that we can do here on this earth. But that's not what he's telling us about. He's primarily telling us about a place he grew up. So when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven is light, he's talking about his home. The place he lives, not just in heaven, what he was actually living on this earth as a model for you and I. And this is what he's trying to say. Is that this awesome kingdom of God is here for you right now. Just reach out and grab it and take it. It's within arm's reach. This life, this joy, the presence, his righteousness, his freedom is here for you right now as a believer. That's for you and I. Let me explain it a little bit more. In Matthew 23, excuse me, 22, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who threw a wedding feast for his son. And I want you to understand this wedding feast because this is the very plan of God. The plan of God has never changed. I want you to understand this. So he relates it to a king who has a son. And he says, I'm going to get you a bride. I'm going to get you a bride. And see, in this place that we've just described as the kingdom of heaven, where reality exists way before any of us existed, any of, uh, of all creation existed, there comes a point where the king says to his son, I'm going to get you a bride. I'm going to get you a bride. And this unfolding kingdom that's unfolding here, Jesus has his bride. And this bride is you and I to rule and reign with him for all eternity. And so the entire plan of God has always been this. This whole kingdom has supposed to go all over, but it's not just for God himself, not for Jesus himself or the Holy Spirit. He made a bride, and that's you and I. And he, he made us 
to rule and reign with God. And what he does, he creates an earth. And he places man, Adam, on this earth. And Adam is not like any other creation of God. Because Adam is a combination of earth that he created and the breath of God, which is eternal. And he picked up the dirt of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and made Adam a living self, a living soul, a person, someone independent of God but not independent of God, whose life came from God and lived separated from him but yet not separate of him. And he created Adam and took out of Adam a rib and made Eve and put them into the garden. And therefore on the earth, He made Adam and Eve a steward, a representative on this earth who would be the earth, what God was to the place called the kingdom. And that was God's plan. And he said to Adam, be fruitful and multiply, take dominion. And he gave Adam the image of God so that Adam would bear the image of God on this earth and take dominion over all creation based on the fruits of God of the Spirit of God flowing in him, residing in him, but flowing out of him and through him. The earth, this earth, was supposed to become a replica, a visible replica of the invisible spiritual realm that is called the kingdom of God. God placed Adam here so this earth would be under Adam's dominion as God is over the kingdom. I want you to catch this idea because this is a total plan of God. This is God's plan. This is God's plan in the kingdom. Under Adam's dominion, in the same way that the kingdom was under God's dominion, that this earth was supposed to be a replica of what was happening in the kingdom of God. Whatever is in there on earth, as it's what? In heaven. You've got to understand something. That when Adam fell, it didn't thwart God's plan. In Genesis 3, the fall of man didn't make God change his plan. You know, if you're God, you never need a plan B. He always had plan A. And plan A has always been and always will be for eternity. Plan A is that you and I will take dominion over creation, and that under our rule, what is true about God will be true in this earth. We will bring the kingdom to this earth that he's given us control over. That is his plan. And the reason most people aren't free, aren't living the life of Christ, is because we didn't realize who we were and what we had. That's why Jesus would say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And at the end, did you hear me? Because what's in front of you is the kingdom of God. See, God's whole plan with redemption, with the atonement, was for us to be able to enter into this kingdom and have it here on earth. We have some work to do, don't we? Amen? How many guys want to see that kingdom here on this earth? Amen? And see, that is God's plan and that is God's heart. But we have to do something. Because he not only says the kingdom of heaven is hand, he uses a word called repent. Let me talk about repentance for a minute. 
So I want to give you a definition of repentance, what it means to repent. Repent is a word that we've long applied to self-effort and religious pressure. It does not mean turning. That means going the opposite direction in our behavior or changing the thoughts of our mind. It doesn't mean that. Each of these actions depend on us, and they're the fruit of repentance, but it's not repentance. That does, definitely happens, but that's not repentance. The Greek word for repentance is meteino, in which it means to think differently afterwards. And it describes the process of changing your mind. Thinking differently isn't about changing the content of your mind. It's about changing the processes of your mind. That's why Jesus says, eyes of your head versus the eyes of your heart. Where you used to look with the eyes of your, your, head, your head, we now look at the eyes of our heart. Where we used to comprehend with our intellect, now we comprehend spirit to spirit. So repentance means to change the way we take in reality. So we start to think differently. Why do we need to think differently? Why do we need to think differently in these things? Why do we need to change the way we see and the way we hear and the way we think? And there's a reason why we need to do this. And this is what Jesus is trying to get us to do is to live like him because Jesus lived the kingdom. Did you know that? He lived fully the kingdom on this earth. And he made a way for you and I to do that. So why do we need to think differently? Why do we need to change our thinking? Well, this reason, because there's something present here among us. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The phrase at hand isn't a chronological uh, statement. It doesn't mean it's going to come or it's going to come later. It's a geographical phrase, which means this. Reach out your hand and take it. This is where the kingdom is. It is within your reach. So when Jesus talks about repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's talking about it's now. It is right here within your reach. Grab it and take it. So Jesus is saying, just change the way you take in reality because in the room with you right now is the kingdom that is filled with power, that is filled with life, that is filled with joy and peace and freedom and rightness. He's saying, take it. And if you change the way you think and you change the way, way your mind you know, processes things, then you're going to walk differently. You're going to talk differently. When you change the way that you see, then you're going to turn around and run after the direction of God. And it's crucial that we understand this. That right here, right in this moment, is the very kingdom of God. Not in the by and by. Amen? It is now. It is right here. And so repent. Change the way you've been thinking. And if you're not experiencing that kingdom, then you're thinking wrong. Start, start thinking differently. Start thinking and looking through the eyes of Christ. And realize what he did for you was not just to get you forgiveness and go to heaven. What he did for you is to live the kingdom of God. Now, take dominion, be fruitful and multiply. So it's very crucial we get this. Jesus said and did one thing. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. Not straighten up because your dad's going to be home. Change the way you think. Because in this room. In your car when you go home. At your house. In your nursery with your kids. At your work. Everywhere you go. The kingdom of heaven. 
is simply within hand's reach. The only thing that keeps us from accessing it may be the way we see things. And we've got to change that. That's what the Lord wants for all of us. That we access the joy of God. We access the love of God. The acceptance. The rightness. The righteousness of God. That we grab that and live that. And bring heaven to earth. Like Jesus told us to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. The reason you may not be free of depression or free of addiction or free of whatever you are struggling with is not because it has power over you. It's because you don't understand what you have. And we're not reaching in for it. Reaching out and grabbing it. You think you have to keep on asking God for it. And he says, repent. Change the way you think. Receive. Reach out and take it right now. This is where true freedom is. This has always been God's plan for you and I. Right now to take it. Are you guys ready to do that? Amen. We're going to go into more details on Wednesday night. I encourage you to come. But let's take this right now. So bow your heads and close your eyes right where you're at. And it starts with a choice. And what we're going to do is we're going to repent. Repentance is not a bad word. Okay? It's actually a good word. And I'm not going to have you repent of your sins. That's not what I'm here for. We're going to repent for our thinking. And we, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, are going to have the mind of Christ. Amen? So I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes, repeat these words and mean them with your heart. So Father, I come to you and I give you my life. Not just some of it, but all of it. I give you my thoughts. I give you my past. I give you my future, and I give you my now, and I release control. I will stop thinking the way I've been, and I will put on the mind of Christ and think, believe how He wants me to. I'll stop making excuses, and I'll run to Him. And I'll reach out and grab the kingdom of God. And I'll get it in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Start changing your thinking. Now this is what I want you to do. All the excuses that we've made, I'm one of them. I've made excuses too why I don't have joy or why I'm depressed or why I have this or that or this is happening to me is that we're going to realize that we are born again. I mean, we've given our life to Christ and that we're going to reach out and pray and we're going to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness 
And then all these things shall be added unto us, right? Amen? So I want you to seek after that kingdom and realize he is not withholding his joy. He is not withholding his righteousness, his presence from you. He wants you to reach out and take it. He made a way, not for you just to be forgiven, but for you to enter in and take dominion. Amen? Take dominion over every single area of your life and bring this kingdom here. And the great thing about it is, once you start doing, you start getting addicted to it. It's a good addiction, by the way. Say, I'm addicted to God. I love that. I want more of Him. I want more of His presence. I want more of His joy. And no matter what you've done, it's not about that. It's not about your past. Move forward and just grasp what God has for you. Amen? Amen? Let's pray one more time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just receive it now. We receive all that you have for us. We've repented and we're changing our thinking. We'll get into your word and we'll just allow your Holy Spirit to do this. We're just going to seek after you. We're going to put you first in our lives. And we're going to enjoy your presence, your kingdom, Lord, right now. And so, Father, I just pray for all of us that we start opening up this present that you've given to us called the kingdom. And we decide to live in that in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give him praise right now. Isn't he good? Amen. God is so good.